I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. Justin Chernow on the show today. Thanks for stopping by. Of course. So you're over at uh, Uva Wines there on Bedford Avenue. That's right. Why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Uh, Uva is, Uva is, I guess the best way to put it is, you know, neighborhood shop. It really is just, it, it speaks to the Williamsburg neighborhood. We've been there for almost 10 years now. Uh, we've got about 750 wines on the floor. Maybe another, depending on the time of year, three to 400 in the, on the list. Uh, we have a reserve list, stuff we keep downstairs. And about probably 300 or under, under around 13, 14. It's hard to say every year they get more, every wine gets more expensive. And, but it used, used to be 300 under 12. Now, now, now it's like 300 under 13, 14. Uh, and my personal preference is we skew toward organic, natural, biodynamic wines. So you're in Williamsburg. Correct, correct. So uh, let me just get this out of the way so I don't do it for the rest of the show. Okay. Hipster, 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 hipster. All right, I just had to get the. the it's fine. The, I hear it. The quota. You should, you should, you should right. see what I see I, through, I, through those windows. I don't every want day. it to, you know, be seeping through every moment in the thing. I, just, I understand. You know, I just want to get it out. But I mean, seriously, what's the scene like? Who's walking in? Well, I mean, you know, there's a big difference sometimes between who's walking by and who's walking in. Yeah. Bedford Avenue is the St. Mark's, you know, uh, hate Ashbury of Williamsburg for better yeah, or worse. Yeah, it's got that vibe. It really is. We're one block from the train. And now it's a real tourist destination. We get a lot of people that just come out there to reinvent themselves, get weird, hang out, whatever, you know, and it's true. And you also, you always see what I see now with, now that there's so many tourists, you see the three really straight, like the two straight parents, the really straight kid, and then the really arty or music oriented kid who's like, mom, we have to go to Williamsburg for the afternoon while they, while we're in New York. Oh, I see that a lot too. So it's like, Hey, you took me to the ballet. Now I'm going to take you to Uva. No, no, not, not Uva, but you know, but yeah, but you know, for the most part, we do get a lot of tourists coming in too to buy wine because, um, they, they need something for their hotel or we've let a lot of people do Airbnb and stuff like that. So, you know, people go to the grocery store, they buy wine for their apartment. There's a lot of that going oh, on I guess there too. Got it. Cause some of the wines, uh, on the list, maybe it's a small program. They don't have a lot of wine in a restaurant. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so actually mm-hmm. one time you told me that, uh, sometimes you feel like the first time some of these people that are shopping with you have ever talked about wine is yeah, to you. That's true. Um, especially in the case in the, the original store was in a very small space 
on um, North 5th Street and sort of a mini mall. And it had an entrance in the mall space and an entrance on the, on North 5th. And the, the, the place itself was really not cool. And there weren't a lot of people in the neighborhood at that point really coming out to visit or anything. And, and it was sort of ignored. Not, not really ignored, but it was like a little gem, you know. And a lot, we were the first wine store to open in that neighborhood without bulletproof glass. Really? And uh, that, yeah. Everything and it was a couple of years till the other stores took their their glass down. Did they have those things like the banks where you put it in the? It capsule was pretty much exactly like that. And like a- <laughs> yeah, it was like eighty different vodkas and you know oh, a bunch okay. of yellowtail and things right. like that. That's sort of what was there. And um, so we were the first store we could come in and touch a bottle of wine. And no, no joke, no joke. This is the f- yeah the someone in the neighborhood who can store. walk in and, and without having to say to someone, "Hey, can you unlock that?" Exactly, and you know, you know how that works. So when you when you go into a shop like that, you don't really have a discussion. You just point at whatever seven bucks and you walk out the door. Oh, yeah, is that how it works? I think that that would be how it works. I've never yeah. worked in a store like that, but it certainly seemed like that. It wasn't it doesn't really create a culture of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, does create a great culture of bulletproof glass, though. I mean, if you're into true. that, you know that scene. It's a great way to buy Chinese food. <laughs> yeah, um, but 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 anyway, so so what would happen is you know the neighborhood was you know edgy and there were a lot of you know artists that lived there for a long time that were getting really nervous about getting priced out of where they lived which, where are those guys now uh, bushwick places yeah. like that there's yeah, still yeah. a lot of holdouts though there are people who, who you know had bought buildings even when they were you know didn't cost a lot of money and now a lot of their friends live in those buildings and people are supportive but um but so what would happen is people would come in and they're immediately like um skeptical because all of a sudden there's a wine shop in the neighborhood there goes the neighborhood Oh, really? Yeah. You're They're, like the yeah. gentrifier. That's it. You're yeah. the man. And, and we're this little store, you know, and they'd walk in and they were <laughs> nervous and, and there's wine in here and, and it's got descriptions and, and then they yeah. all of a sudden they'd, they'd be like, like, wait a minute, you're the guy that's always at the bar. Right, right. Or, I, I saw know your you. band the other night and this was like the whole staff or, oh, this is my favorite song that you're playing. And then people, and you, you swore when you described that wine or whatever. And it's sort of, you know, your vernacular is the same. You dress the same. You eat the same restaurants, bars, and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, people got really comfortable. So you felt like they recognized in you some of the qualities that they saw in themselves. In the store. Well, I, you like know, and I, shop, and I shopped there before I worked there. And I, oh, okay. I worked there pretty soon after, but, but a couple, I went in there a few times. And I, 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 didn't you, at first, you started like just part time, like one mm-hmm. night or two nights a week kind of thing? One night a week, uh, Thursday nights, like five to 10. Like you were doing something else. I was bar backing and I was doing temp jobs and just anything I could get at the time. But the wine thing really was the, that was my little class. And that was like, you know, I'd do whatever I could do to work more hours at the shop because I really wanted to be there. So how did you get to that point? I mean, what was the, what were you doing at 25, say? At 25, uh, well, I moved to New York when I was 24. At 25, I had really lucked out. You know, that was, that was, that was around 95. It was really easy to get a job. I got a job. I got a temp job. The now you day. tell me. Yeah, I know. Oh. I know. Exactly. <laughs> they hired. They hired. I got hired. What well, was the kind of job you wanted? I worked for five years at a health insurance company. Uh-huh. And that was when it was totally cool to have a day job. You didn't get to have, you didn't get to have your, uh, your feel good dreamer job. At right. Like right. com or blog all day or anything. You got a crappy Wait, now job. You, now you're taking shots. I'm taking sorry, shots. man. You know, it was the hip. You're, you're right here. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 you know, you work this crappy day job and then you play music all night with your friends and you jump in the van and you drive to DC and play a show for no money and come back and then go back to your healthcare job. And I wore, so you did a little rock and roll though. Yeah. But I've, you know, I've business casual life. Yeah. You know, chinos and tucked in shirts and you know, untucked shirt on Friday, you know, that kind of thing for five years. And then the dot com thing happened and you know, New York, I think got a lot looser. And pe- you know, there were a lot more jobs where pe- people were a lot more creative. But I think around that time, you know, 
it was pretty uptight. Oh yeah. Most most people I know just worked really boring office jobs, made a tremendous racket on the weekends at music or art or whatever they did. But it was totally respectable to have some job that you weren't proud of. Did you, so? When did you move out to Williamsburg? I moved out to Williamsburg. I guess ninety. I want to say ninety eight. Yeah. And uh, it was a, you know for for the space. Really, that's why I moved out there. Same price, more space. Yeah, same price. Less price even, more space. Moved out there with a girlfriend, got a loft. They, the, the total typical Brooklyn story, I think, of that time. And, um, and you know, again, just like kind of work jobs. And then everybody I know got laid off after 9-11 yeah. and worked in the dot-com world. And I ended up back doing low, you know, low-rent jobs, bar backing, taking whatever temp job came by. Did a weird stint at the Rogers and Hammerstein Music Library. Really? Yeah, like just filing and stuff like that. <laughs> it was an interesting thing. But um, yeah, then, Rogers, I like Hammerstein. Not so much. I, it's kind of a douche. <laughs> so, so uh, then I ended up at the wine shop one night a week. Turned into two nights a week. Turned into three nights a week. Then the buyer Sh- Shane Smith, who had become a good friend of mine, who now works for VOS, really great sure. guy, really early adopter of natural wines and biodynamic wines. Were you um, into that early as well? You know, there were wines that I liked, like the first time I had Leon Barral. That mm-hmm, was like mm-hmm. one of the first wines that I had, uh, that whole thing was described to me. And it blew my mind. But then I had a lot of really messy wines after that. And I didn't have a lot of money. And I just didn't have the cash to have like another re-fermenting, you yeah. know, bready, weird wine. And of course, at that time, I didn't know what Brett was or anything like that. It took me a long time. I remember having Cantillon for the first time and thinking, yeah. man, this tastes a lot like that wine I had the right, other right, right. day. And, and then doing the research and backing up and figuring out that, you know, there's, this is okay for that, but this is bad for that. It's sort of like all the whiskey I like is in New Oak, but I don't drink wine like that. But you've done a lot of work in that idiom now, so mm-hmm. what changed? You, the wine, both? A little of both, I think. And my taste changed, and I started to understand, you know, when, at the time, I think, Everything t- sort of tasted the same to me. Mm-hmm. All those wines, like they all, what turned out to be Brett and VA and all these problems, they all didn't matter where they're from or what they were. And I was a real student of terroir, like the Kermit Lynch yeah. world of terroir. Wine needed a place. It needed to be taste like where it was from. You know, it was very important. And if everything tasted the same, then why were we having this discussion? Why were you throwing this word terroir around if it didn't appear in any of the wines? And um, over time, I think the wines have gotten a lot better. I think, you know, there was the first few vintages for a lot of people. You think and they've people, gotten their game down? I think for some people. And I think, you know, there's always new winemakers and there's bad vintages. And if you want to play the natural game, like, we're going to run into years where things aren't good. Or so Cuvée is going to go bad. Right. Because part of it is yeah, not it's the like same a, it's every a year. Big, it's a big risk. You're taking a really big risk. And people are used to consistency. And I think that if there's one thing that sort of can turn, like, the new a lot of the new people into that kind of stuff off, it is... You know, all of a sudden, something you like one year coming in the next year and being like a mess. Yeah. You know, I've had to send wines back before that I really believed in. Um, and for the shop, you know, because I didn't, I made the mistake of being like, oh, I loved it last year. Just send 10 cases. Right. You well, know, that's I, a, I've definitely done that too. Yeah. And, you know, you Especially learn a in lesson. the rose game where it's not available to taste and you're just like, exactly. oh, I loved it so much last year. I was in, I was in France in January doing the Loire, like the Dive and all that yeah. stuff. And, uh, I got four rose pre cells in my inbox. It's like, 22 degrees outside and i had to make all the rosé decisions for yeah the year, exactly you know? it's never you this, never get to yeah. taste it yeah so it's uh, i mean people talk about never getting to taste bordeaux futures or whatever but it, like you know the yeah. 15 dollar rosé nobody tasted that either till, exactly. like exactly. Till. and not just that you know i'm not buying that but i'm spending tens of thousands of dollars thousands of dollars a year on rosé because people can't get enough of it any, right now is that true yeah it really is a thing now I, it's, it's a huge huge thing settled in it's settled in and i think 
in the neighborhood, especially because we have a lot of people. You've seen the demographic shift in, shift in Williamsburg where people leave the, they have enough money to leave the neighborhood on the weekends now. Oh, and really? what do they take with them? They take rosé with them. And, uh, and it's a lifestyle accessory, I think, to, to some degree. There are some mm -hmm. good ones, but I think a lot of people really like the way it makes them feel. It really makes them feel like they're living, even without an ad campaign or something, you know? Cote de Provence. Yeah, exactly. Cote it's like, like close, close your eyes and you're on a yacht, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's true. People seem to really dig it. I mean, there are rosés I like, too, but it's not something I go What's nuts Diddy for. What's Diddy doing? Why isn't he on this train? I'm telling you. You know? I'm telling you. Uh, it's uh, true. Ott should put him on there, on the boat. And, uh, I'm you know. I knew, I, knew I, was, I knew something was going on when I was getting asked for Ott a lot. That's when I knew the neighborhood was really changing. Well, you ought to get asked for Ott. I love that joke. Good. Dum -dum. I noticed the other day that there's a Hampton Jitney stop uh, in Williamsburg now. No way. Yeah. See, that's an interesting Couple point. You actually yeah. live there. I don't. So you yeah. can actually see the changes. True. So, I mean, okay, here we are talking about yeah. what's going on yeah, today. Yeah. All good. But how did, how did the wine thing come about for you? Uh, well, um, when I was working a horrible, you know, day job, I would listen to NPR at my desk a lot. And, uh, I think, and I don't, I don't think it streamed then. I think I had a radio on my desk with headphones. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I took a horse and carriage to work. Did you, ca <laughs> I mean, yeah. did you carry the boom box on your shoulder at that time? Or I was a little, I was, I was thinner then. I couldn't really get it on there. Yeah. But, uh, but you could only listen to run. DMC exactly. was like, you could only yeah, alternate days. Exactly. So, so I was listening to NPR and, uh, Willie Gluckstern got interviewed. Oh yeah. And, uh, he had written this book called the wine Avenger. It's a little paperback book. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen it. I flipped through. It's, it's, and at the time, and like the way he talked about wine and, and the way that he explained everything, it, I really, I really paid attention and it really blew my mind because I was really into restaurants. Uh, Willie ended up, uh, importing a bunch of German wines for a while, had his own thing going. I think he's doing some stuff through Bowler now. Oh, okay. Uh, again, I think he's getting back in the game. But um, also, he was uh, with like uh, Spring Arm. He, he, Spring Arm, used, like his brother, used to work. Okay, at the, he was the Riesling guy. I mean, got it. Got um, it. Got and that got place it, got had it. a front room of Riesling. But anyway, so so this guy talked about wine in a way that was really irreverent and, and really interesting. And at the time, I was just getting into going to restaurants. I love food. I did a lot of cooking, but wine, it just I never really clicked for me. Mm -hmm. It seemed uh, aristocratic to me. It seemed really expensive. <laughs> And here's this guy on, on the radio saying, you know, don't ever pay $10 for more, more for a bottle of wine. You know, this is 98 or whatever. Yeah. He's like, you can do this. You can, you can go in, you can have a wine guy. There's not, you know, we have a store where they don't talk down to you. And I got on the train that Saturday, went up to, uh, I think it was Columbus and 72nd. Yeah. It's near, like, like dovetail shake shack. Yeah. It's, it's closed now, but, but, but it was, and, uh, went in there and a dude that looked like me, talked like me sold me a bunch of wine and it was my first experience like that and i didn't think that that existed did and you get was... a chance to ask him to pull a couple shifts at the healthcare place while you played hooky <laughs> seriously like, hey you look just like me <laughs> this wednesday you could show up and say you're me and just hang out or listen to the radio i wasn't that quick then <laughs> yeah yeah so so i uh but i wasn't doing anything at the healthcare place so you probably could have done just fine sitting <laughs> at the desk but uh but so i i really got the bug and I got really interested and I felt like there was a shop for me and it was comfortable. Now at the time I lived down on 27th and third or no, at the time, actually I was, I was crashing with a friend. I'd broken up with a girl. I was living on Prince and Elizabeth in a studio, me and two other guys in a room about yeah, bit. And, uh, it was, you know, it was really tight, but I would go up there and I would buy wine and bring all the way up to the upper yeah, West and lug a case stack down to Prince street. And like, wow, that's not so close. No. And like, you know, stick it in the fridge and, and just 
go through it. And it, I wasn't really paying attention to the producer. And that, that wasn't part of the conversation then. It was more about the place and the varietal seemed to be more the way that mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. were talking about wine at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, started drinking Riesling. First time I ever saw grower champagne. Stuff like that. And uh, I really, I got really interested. And that became like a real part of my life. So you talked a little bit about taking a trip up to the Upper West yeah. Side. Are people in Manhattan taking a trip out to Brooklyn these days? Or? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but on the other, like I, I was, the other day, a customer came in that told me he had moved up to the Upper East Side because he couldn't afford Williamsburg anymore. You know, yeah, we got people coming out from Manhattan for sure. And, and in the end, though, we still are really a local and a neighborhood shop. Mm-hmm. I work during the day. So, you know, I do everything during the week until around 6 p.m. So I don't necessarily see, like, the full onslaught. I saw it in the past, but – and I, I don't really see, like, you know, the tourists at night or, or people like that like I used to. Mm-hmm. But but I will say that, you know, for the most part, we are locals. You know, we are people that live a few blocks away that get off the train that want something with their chicken on the way home. But you're but, locals. Are a lot of those people in the business? Yeah. A lot of people are in the service industry, work in restaurants, work in bars. That's why our daytime business is good. Oh, I see. Because they don't have to be because, in until four. Yeah, exactly. You, the amount of wine keys we sell to people on the no way to way. work. No way. That's insane. pretty funny, actually. Yeah, we sell so much. the same people. All, so you can really tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who loses them? Who, get, who, who yeah. gets them stolen from yeah. all the time? I mean, the amount of wine keys we sell is tremendous. But it's always somebody rushing to work, too. But... um yeah, I, th- I think oh, you know we are starting to get people coming in from Manhattan. We're getting we get a lot of we get a lot of people from Montreal. Really, get a lot Whoa. of people from Canada. That what? Are, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like what, I've got a couple of friends up there, and I've spent a little time up there. And then word goes person to person. They'll come to New York. They'll go see us. They'll go to Chambers. They'll go to a couple other places, and they'll load up their car and drive it back up because it's oh, so much cheaper. It's regulated, and they can't yeah. get certain things. Yeah, and... but, but we definitely get a lot of Canadians too. But um, on the weekends, a lot of people come in from Manhattan. We also have a really deep Burgundy selection. Oh, we do. So uh, the owner of the shop. Jeff Patton is is really dedicated Burgundy guy and just, just really incredible knowledge of Burgundy. And uh, did you guys open another shop recently as well? Uh, the guys who own uh, Uva opened a shop in uh, Manhattan called Flatiron Wines. Oh, okay, on Broadway and Twenty Second. Is that also kind of a Burgundy show or it's everything they've got? But yeah, it's deep. It's really they, they're they've got enough. You know, they've got like fifteen hundred wines. So they can go really deep across the board. So it's a little really bit bigger depth. And two of the guys that worked with me uh, for a long time, two of the best managers there, Dan Weber and Beau Rapier. Oh yeah, Dan Weber. Yeah, they went over there. Oh, and cool. so they're running that place, and they're yeah, they're they're kicking ass. So at Uva, though, mm-hmm. what's the normal sale? You know, uh, ticket or bottle? I mean, either way. Oh, you know, normal sale. It does it does vary because you know we get a lot of different types of people. But I mm-hmm. would say the most popular wines are inexpensive Cava, inexpensive Prosecco, inexpensive Sauvignon Blanc, and I think that that's probably pretty basic for the whole city. That's retail. Yeah, I think that that's retail. That's, that's the world. But on the other hand, you know, I sell. Jero bombs of Olivia Lemison. I sell Jeros. Jeros. Wow. Bigger the better. You know? People uh, like those labels. They like them bigger. Exactly. They'll keep it matte and keep it cartoony. And <laughs> when it says, this. you are so cute, I want to see that in poster size. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of, ton of natural wine. Like, yeah. really, a lot of young people in the business coming and getting excited. They are. Wanting to have a conversation. Mostly leaning toward French stuff. Uh, maybe that's because more that's where my palate le- le- you know goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, definitely a lot of you know a lot a lot of Beaujolais, but not as much as we used to. Now that it's really creeping into the 30s. Um, oh, is that it, an issue? 
it's become for our neighborhood certainly we definitely have a price cap um because a lot of times you think about beaujolais is the inexpensive burgundy or at least the one that drinks better or more accessibly yeah but, but you know it, but now i mean which certainly village will sell tons of village but we Cote don't sell the, we don't sell the cruise like we used to oh beaujolais no, 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 no. yeah beaujolais village oh okay we don't okay. we don't sell we don't sell uh the cruise like we used to we like, certainly do sell i mean we still crack that's gone. Things. That's gone in a couple of weeks. Foyard's gone in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah? Know, uh, uh, like, maybe Coudere, like, trickles out. And maybe we'll go through a bunch of cases of the basic, and we'll do the Tardive. But, you know, but we still get enough that we can kind of trickle them out. I like to put some out now, have it be gone for a little while, put it back out. Ah, uh, see, that's a tip for those in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You don't see it one day. Just come back Always later. Always ask, yeah. But, you know, it's now we've gotten to the point where, you know, just basic uh, Bourgogne, like, is cheaper. You know, for for entry level stuff, got it. You know, stuff in the high teens, low twenties. And yeah, yeah, there's probably a cutoff there. Like thirty bucks is thirty bucks, and sometimes exactly. that's exactly. a little high. And that's a lot for me. You know, it's a splurge yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, for and for most of our customers, it is too. You know, you know, you say you have a lot of. You know, we say we have a lot of people in the service industry. You know what people in the service industry make? Right. They're not going to come in and pick up. You know, a lot a case of thirty dollar wines in a week. But there's been a really nice shift in what some of the younger and Porters are doing a natural wine. Guys like Severovine or Selection Massal or uh-huh. uh, some other people, they're bringing in wines that are a little less expensive. Mm-hmm. Seems and, to be a focus for Massal, especially. Yeah, and a lot of new stuff popping up on the market. This guy, Dorian Vincent, who does Viticulta, um, um, is bringing know. in some really interesting wines that are like, uh, he, he works with Fran Simon, who's Selection Massal doing the West Coast. Um, and uh, he, he his, he's bringing in some cool stuff too, and like I'm able to put that stuff in the shelf for around seventeen, sixteen dollars. Oh, it's got to be a sweet spot. It's a sweet spot, and it cooks out of there. And you know, and if, as you know, these people don't make very much wine. But at one time, Lapierre was like that too. Lapierre so, was eighteen bucks when I started selling it. I mean, yeah. the development of brand name natural wine. Mm-hmm. You know, has that happened? Have we seen things that are just too expensive, really, for the everyday now with Ganavan? I definitely and- now having done this for a few years and having. Customers that I've, I've worked with for a few years, they definitely come in and say, oh, man, even, you know, now I remember this is 20, when the was, minute, the minute yeah. it cuts the $20 mark, I right. at least get a sigh. That's the first. The minute yeah. it gets 21 instead of 19, I definitely, I definitely get, you know, a moan or something. But uh, I will say also, importers have been really good the last couple of years about keeping the prices pretty, pretty straight. Um, on like you know people like LDM and mm-hmm. people like that have been really really good about not really raising prices. But I mean, speaking of prices and what can sell and what can't mm-hmm. sell, I mean, you guys have a lot of Amaro. Some of them are pretty expensive on the shelf. Uh, is that selling? That stuff sells, but you have to. We have a lot of cocktail people in the neighborhood that work in the bars. But also, you know, when you open a bottle of Amaro, you can drink that all year. Yeah, that's a good point. It sits on the shelf. You're fine. That's seventy dollars. Yeah, that's unless unless it's near her. my wife, it will last a long time. <laughs> so. But I mean, you guys seem to carry quite a few. Is that a thing for you guys? Ah, we love it. We love we love stuff like that. So it's, it's a shame we can't sell bitters. You know, it's illegal to sell bitters. In oh, this, I, didn't, I didn't know in that. In New York, it's a, considered a potable grocery product. Oh. There are people that sell it under the counter and stuff. But with our location, the can't I really, I can't say really, anything. We can't get we can't get away with anything like that. We really can't do you, it. You know, the biggest place I saw for bitters <laughs> it was uh, Calustians, uh, the Indian. Exactly. Place. That's unbelievable. People, yeah, that's what I've heard. Amount of bitters, unbelievable. That's amazing. Yeah, but there's that's why. You know, and it's got more alcohol yeah, than I, a lot of the alcohol. It's got more alcohol than most of the wine we sell. I didn't put that together. Yeah, so that that's the deal. But uh, but that kind of stuff is really popular. The cocktail culture stuff is is huge. So you think tomorrow it's not necessarily just wine guys? You got cocktail dudes coming in asking sure. for it to put it in drinks. Yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, there's we get we get the guy in the suspenders with the bitters tattoo with the with the dissected pig tattoo and the mustache and the you know the whole deal coming in asking for velvet falernum, which actually happened. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah. How'd that so, go down? I just, you know, the guy, I was just like, please, please. You see the guy, you see the stereotype, you're like, please don't let this happen. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, because you want to start like, laughing? Pardon is that me, right? sir. Do you have any No way he did the no, Yale pra- accent. No, practically, practically. But we get a lot of those guys, too. And now, and we need them. Good for them. That's cool. Yeah. I don't want to make fun of customers. No, no, so it's, it's all good. It's all but good. It, you know, you live, we live in the belly of the beast. You know, that's where the store is. And you get a lot of, you get a lot of, of people, a lot of people taking wine to the park. Oh, okay. you know, we have like the whole develop waterfront park and there's, so we get a lot of that kind of stuff going on too. And it's just, you know, it's, it's while we're running the natural wine game out of it, you don't necessarily, it's nice to just sell people wine and not, if they don't want to have a philosophical discussion about right. it, just give them something that tastes good. Not making it a moral thing. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, but you know, speaking of being in the belly of the beast, uh, are we seeing a little bit more fickleness and fashion and wine trends these days with, you know, people not necessarily sticking with brands as they get a little bit more expensive. I mean, brands, I mean, obviously there's still small scale there, producers, but that, that there is that, but there's also, that's also coupled with sort of this, this trend that I, I've, I think I've seen in, in New York in the last few years where people aren't afraid of luxury. Uh-huh. People have gotten particularly young people have gotten a bit showier. Really? And they're not Blinging as, af- out. yeah, they're not as afraid to like, they're not as afraid to show, you know, spend some money. How is this manifesting itself? Well, I think it's manifesting itself in uh, people hanging out in restaurants, much like they would have hung out in bars or discos years ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're having a meal, which costs a few more dollars. Yeah, or and like and twittering about it and telling all their friends where they went. Right. You know, that's something you do on the weekend. You know. You know what I realized one day? Hmm. You don't necessarily have to be at the restaurant to twitter that you were there. That's you true. Know? That's I'm, true too. I'm, I'm a closet. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Robichon, thanks for coming to the table. Hey, honey, can you pass me that glass? Uh, I'm trying to change the channel. You know? know? Check in from per se. I've never done that. I've never done it. I've never even thought about it. I take it all back. But but so I I do think, you know, there there is a degree where people will stick with their brands, but there also, there, there also is a degree where people like, they're on the, they're, there's a fashion trend going along with natural stuff. There and is. I think that those people will come and go. There are a lot of people I know that are, this is not a trend for. This is not a fad. Oh, yeah? But I think that there are young people that are like, this is what we do. We go to Reynard and we drink from Lee Campbell's list and life well, is fabulous. Well, that's not a bad thing to do. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so much better than like, you know. Then you might read it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you might have read about it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, kind of, but you know, in the end, Williamsburg is still a shot in a beer bar kind of place. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. Yeah. It's that's cheap. A, you that's can do a style. lot of cheap drinking. There's a lot of hanging out. Yeah, for sure. So, but I, I will say, you know, you go to Marlowe and Sons or Diner and a huge amount of the, the crowd is under 30. Well, and, I feel like at one time you were like, hey, you know, some of what we do is, um, we're the retail outlet when people say, hey, I had that at Marlowe and Sons. Absolutely. So they come to you and they're like, yeah, sure. the other day I had this mm-hmm. wine and do you have it? And we have, like, a, we have a bit of a simpatico, you know, yeah. those are friends. I've known those guys for a long time. They've, they shop with us. Their staff shops with us. We, we hang out there and, and there's definitely, there's de- it's definitely a nice thing, you know, unfortunately not getting to the point where we're going to start wrestling over the same wines. Yeah. It, it really does. It's the civil war. It, it breaks really, apart families. It's going to start. You know I think, what I mean? Exactly. Johnny Reb wants my Ovenwa. Oh man. Fo. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I don't think a bottle of Ovenois has made it to the floor in uh, like three years. Is that tr- no yeah. three years? Maybe two. Yeah, three years probably. It just goes goes you know right out the door. 
So, I mean, uh, younger people, do you think they're looking for smaller scale producers, a little yes. bit more connection to Absolutely. The, the rural and pastoral? For sure. Is I that mean, a we, thing? Have, we have the CSA culture, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we've been approached by a lot of CSAs to like be a pickup place, actually. Can you? Oh, a pickup Just place. Just pick up, oh, not, okay. not sell, but uh, we just, you know, you've been in the shop. We don't have the room for that kind of thing. That'd last be thing, like last thing I need is a bunch of rotten lettuce sitting around like for three days because somebody was too lazy to come get their stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, good point. But, but yes, there's, there's, Part of the whole, I think, farm to table aesthetic, and you know, new, new sort of new butcher shop vibe, and all that kind of stuff that's happening, or hipster food culture, or whatever. This is definitely this is what those kids are drinking, and those yeah, people are drinking. That's for the sure. And you think that one of the things that draws to them uh, to it is the the farm aspect that maybe I, they I don't think, have. I think or? that this is the first this is the first time that a lot of young people have a connection to the name of the person that makes their wine. Oh yeah, okay, good and that, point. And that and that you know people are telling the story of the producer. Yeah, and this is a new, th- this is a relatively new thing for uh, sixteen dollar wines in mm-hmm. the in yeah. the twenty first century. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that's a really smart observation. Uh, yeah. Tying it into and, price and point you, like that. You, you have people like Jenny and Francois and Savio and that have been telling, and 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 obviously Louis Dresner that have been telling the story of the producer non. Stop. That is their mission. Right. They Bringing really, them over, yeah, you know, 40 yeah. producers in a room yeah. for the they, taste. Their name is not on the front label. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's the producer's name in the front label. This, they get those people in front of you, whether or not they speak English. They want you to know that this person, that this man or this woman or this, or, or both make this wine. And I, and that certainly changed the way I think about things. And it's certain, it's definitely what young people are connecting with in the neighborhood. And, and that are buying natural wines that are buying they, they're they're really into buying the producer so they're they're moving away from the cheap industrial wine to the cheap artisanal wine yeah yeah that's interesting yeah I mean you know there's always going to be cheap stuff but yeah for sure so one of the things about you is that you know you travel pretty frequently you know I hear about your trips to, to France and, and this and that I mean what do you see as the differences between say the natural wine scene New York natural wine scene Paris? Well, I think the the natural wine scene in Paris that I know of that yeah. I, that I've been involved with anyway, from my from my perspective, is that it's old. You know, it's definitely been going on a lot longer. Yeah. You know, I mean, even the place like Le Baratin has been there for tw- over twenty years. No way, I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah, Le Bar- Le has been there for over ten years. Wow. You know, so that's one. The other thing is that they put you know on the awning, you know, uh, Bar Van Natural. You know, oh, so people, people like, they, they definitely will tell you know they put it on the sign. You yeah, know? and it's because, not a surprise when you walk in. And because of the amount of wine that they're willing to sell and how much lower the rent can be in some situations, they're able to, uh, you know, they're, they're able to sell the wine, obviously much lower price because it's driven up by Renee Moss on the weekend or whatever. And people, people drink more. Mm-hmm. They're more Consumers, committed, not yeah, just the, consu- yeah. not just the people in the industry like me. No, well, no, exactly. No, it seems like the consumer drinks more, they hang out longer. They're into the whole Van de Swaff culture. The you know the idea that this wine's like eleven and a half, twelve percent. That means we can have three bottles. You know, we can say. Oh, okay, that. sure. People people also tend to linger over a table longer in Europe than, sure. than I think diners in America do. It's probably it's, it's always been that. Yeah, always been that way. That's yeah. the way people grew up. You know. Yeah. And um, so and people drink a lot more with lunch there. Oh yeah, work. yeah, for sure. You know, I definitely, you definitely see people having splitting a bottle. I mean, like Vivant, Vervelet, places like that are are packed at lunch with people who are on their break from their magazine. They have a couple glasses. They go back. You don't certainly don't see that here. Well, at least not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Exactly. So I mean, but are people on board with the natural wine thing? Like regular people? I, I, I think 
you know, I definitely like everywhere. There's people like I can't stand this stuff. Yeah. And then there are people like, oh, what a what a nice surprise. Yeah. And then you have people that are completely militant. I mean, it's like you know, it's just like anywhere it would. But right. but I do think that people there, it's because it's 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 been a it's been a longer at battle. Mm-hmm. People have a bit a bit of a oh, but of course, this is what we drink. This is how we do it here. You know what I mean? But I mean, uh, is, we, is, we've is, only got ten bells here. They've got like thirty right. natural wine. They've bells. got several more bells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've got many more bells. No, but I mean, uh, is it the same approach? Because sometimes I feel like here in the in the fine dining restaurant scene, people are like, "Yeah, I like natural wines as the buyer, but I don't want to push it on anybody." So if somebody's got it on their awning, is that still the same thing, or is it well, more kind of like you're here, so this is what we serve? I think that there's a fair amount in Europe of of a this is the way that we do it. If you don't like it, there is stand outside. There are many other restaurants. Would you please leave? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that's just and that is definitely the way it has been there. That is the way restaurants have been there for a long time. I think that is the typical, you know. Uh, American comes back from Europe and is like, oh, people were really. They, rude, I couldn't order yeah. off the menu. I no, mean, it's rude. You know, it's the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But but a lot of you know, you, you've worked in restaurants. I haven't, but I've I've seen it a lot where you know people expect you to make them whatever they want to eat. Right, right. And right, they right. And, you know, I think there are people around the program that come in. They're they're like, let's do this. Like, let's, I'm on the ride. You take me. Let's. I'm not. Even, you know, just bring me good. Oh things. yeah, people are ready for the thing. Yeah. So it's not like you have to be like, no, please. Yeah, exactly. It's, all, it's like the uh, like the the guy that walks into the cheese store that's like, like give me what you take home. Well, it's interesting yeah. that you say that because I yeah. kind of think of natural wine sometimes as as successfully marketed like cheese. Like, mm-hmm. hey, can you handle the stinky stuff? Like, you know, remember like cheese used to be like cheddar. You know? Yeah. Oh no, exactly. One and day people like Murray's or you know. Right, but. But I think that we're. I really think we're getting away from that. I. I oh yeah. I, I do think there's always. I think when you get into. I think when you're young and you get into something. And this is again. This is like a specific kind of consumer. But when you're young and you get into something, you kind of want it again to the most extreme version, right? Yeah. It's like when a when a young kid goes to college and decides that they're going to be goth. They're the darkest, gothiest, black wearing, like miserable yeah. poetry writing, and then they turn nineteen. Right, and right, then, right. Like, and then it backs off. And I think, you know, people get into things, they they might tend to go as really far. So you're saying he didn't get laid. Exactly. And then exactly. it wasn't working for exactly. him, or, he realized. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so I, I do think... So less people, machismo. Exactly. People it, back off. I think people tend to... Then you learn, right? You're like, let's see how out there I can go. And then you're like, oh, this stuff kind of sucks. Like, so let's let's it's it's there's something wrong with it. It's not that it's it, it smells this way because it's bad, not not because I'm not up for the challenge. It's not this isn't a hot sauce contest or a hot uh-huh, dog uh-huh. contest or it's, something. It's not a macho thing. Yeah, exactly. And what's drawing you more to it is the story of the producer, not the. the I, I like the I like the, the story of producer, and also I like the wine more. Like yeah, I personally yeah, right. drink. Which That's is a good the kind of wine to drink. drink wine. I think it like tastes better. Yeah. I also really like to sit at the table with my friends for a long period of time yeah. and talk and have a blast and get you know a little loose. Also, and that one, low, lower alcohol, lower alcohol, more fun. Yeah, that. exactly. Like that. I love that kind of culture. Like you know, that's. That's uh, I I don't mind showing up with a couple of magnums, you know, because we're going to be here and we're going to talk and we're going to have a good time, and it doesn't doesn't mean that um you're going to get blacked out. 
So, I mean, let's talk about uh, you hanging out with your friends a little bit, sure. if, if you don't mind, and it mm-hmm. doesn't get too personal. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily, I know you hang out with Zev, but I, yeah. I don't necessarily see you on the scene with, like, right. the natural wine cats. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because there are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who, who, who are you drinking these bottles with? The guys, well, the guys I like to drink with, I really like, I do spend time with, uh, like, Fifi and Jorge uh-huh, at uh-huh. 10 Bells, because yeah. uh, they're up for it, and they're fun, and they've taught me a tremendous amount, and... uh They've always got another another, another thing, thing that open. they want to put in front yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah they no always want to. They really want to do it, and I like that. But for the most part, like got people I grew up with, like guys I was in bands with, or other people, and my wife's an artist, and like you know, sort of her friends, people like that. But not the wine business. But not the wine business, and it's so much more fun to get these months. Now I've got all, like a huge amount of my friends on the program. Oh, is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you know, the, uh, my friends when they go to France, they go to all the places that you read about a wine terroirs or whatever now, and or, they're not or, wine people. Or Parker. Or Parker, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? One yeah. of the most confusing things. Yeah. That's like led me yeah. to believe that he's actually got a secret life. Yeah. But, um, I thought it was like a pen name. Or it something. made no sense. Say, yeah. But, uh, but, but so I, I think that watching these people and having people I thought, you know, people that in my, in my life thought that wine's something their parents drank, and it's something that like... You know, when they went to a restaurant, they'd sort of pick the second cheapest wine. You know, the whole, all the cliches. Yeah. And now, like, these guys know, like, who, you know, the winemakers are. They know who these people are. I had a. And this is someone who's not in the business. Who aren't this in the business. Like and a it's great. Dude. It's really, it's, yeah, they become, like, they become really interested. And I think also a lot of my friends, um, because, because of my background, are, are, sort of the collector type oh yeah big lots and lots of records lots of guitars lots of this and that and it really that kind of thing plays in in the same part of your brain Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a very similar part of your head where you're like oh okay you know this guy made this during this period sure and and this and like it's put out the distributor is like I love everything this distributor does, much like I love everything on this record like, label. Yeah, Def Jam or, or Blue Records Note or whatever. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. And, and you know, there's like a house style. A yeah. good record label has a house style. A good distributor has a house style. And I think that that has really clicked with a lot of my friends. Yeah, that came up when I was talking with Bowler. He was he was you know big rock and roll yeah, background, yeah. and I was like, do you think that the rock history has to has to, something to do with wine culture developing? It's bizarre how many failed musicians there are in the wine business. Yeah, but I think it's also because most musicians fail. Yeah, right, right, so, right. And you have to do something. Yeah, yeah. But but it is interesting because a lot of the people I meet, like David, who I really like, yeah. uh, we have a similar, you know, a similar feeling about wine. And I think it does come from our background. And I and I think we see things in a similar way. A lot of the people that were like rock musicians and stuff that do what I do. What I, what I often see with the rock set is that they're a little bit uh, uh, the hurdle to bridge the knowledge for the for the type of people you're talking about mm-hmm. people who aren't in the business mm-hmm. is much lower with them because they're just more like hey we're people we're folks we we're gonna jam together like, right no, you know no, no it's I mean? true and i think you know again it, a lot of it does have to do with that you know a lot of i'm older a lot of my friends have gotten older we don't really go to the bar like we used to yeah but like we will go to dinner right and right, we will right. sit there and drink a bunch of wine and you know have you know go to somebody's house in that way and that's sort of the way we hang and the conversation you know, goes from the music we're listening to to the wine that we're drinking, or where the food came from that we're eating, or it's part of the deal. Restaurant. It's yeah, part of it's, the life deal. It is a it's a it's a full on life thing. But has that like sitting with people who aren't in the business kind of shaped your palate a little bit? I mean, do you hear things from them and you're like, oh, that's interesting? I, yeah, but also times you know, I, I think when we're talking about younger people that sort of want to get into the most extreme thing, yeah, sometimes that's the thing that really sticks with them. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I mean? And yeah. you have to be like. I don't want to also lecture somebody that doesn't really care what what's wrong with it. 
but you know, but there are definitely I've definitely been table two with people like, is this supposed to be prickly? Right, right, <laughs> you right. Know, or or whatever. And uh, yeah, but I I I do think that you know they've started to develop their palettes. I have friends like call me and be like, can you get me pre ray roke? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so, wow. That's actually I just had this or the texting. You're me talking photos. about like regular people, like friends of mine. They're like regular people. Like I had this bottle. Do you That's know, like a stunning is, thing yeah. that you said. I've never heard of anything. It's like because that. they're going to these places like Braun or Fifty Seven Hackney Road in London, or oh, okay. to Chateaubriand in Paris, or places like that. Where like you know they're 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 this is where they're going when they're yeah. in these places, and that's what they're drinking. And they're sending me huh. pictures, being like, because I think Pierre Roque, especially, is something that's not even well known to the sommelier set. I know, and not just that, you know, for there are reasons why, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, and and uh, yeah. Definitely, I sold a friend of mine got a Magnum last year. Of uh, really, it was a. Uh, I kind of want to invite to that party. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just yeah. curious. I haven't tried yeah. much. Yeah, I've got a little right now. So cool, man. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. but um, swing back but, out. Yeah, so so I think like that that it, it's only natural wine that I get asked about from the, those people. So you're associated with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me ask. I mean, you know, here's been the history. You, mm-hmm. You've been there a shop for a while now, yeah. and you progress from a guy who yeah. helps out part time. Now you're buying. Uh, what's next for you? You ever thought about uh, doing your own thing, import? I mean, what's, there what's was a the period. Future? There was a period of time where where I really thought that I was going to open a shop. Yeah, and I think New York is shop saturated. Oh yeah, and you I'm think cool. it's all shopped out. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. And also, like, I've done retail for a long time. Yeah, this you know? is your thing. You got yeah. So I'm cool with it. I really love the guys I work for. I love that they really let me go wild. They let me do my thing in there, and yeah, and it's it's great. And we have we we really you know have a good simpatico. But I mean, I've been consulting for Zevrovine for a few years. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He and I, I brought him. How's like, that go? You like it, bro? Yeah, bro. Pretty much. <laughs> it's almost exactly like that. Open another one. Because I can't imagine a twenty points tasting. There card. is no there yeah. is no ninety six points on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. More like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's more like. I think we should get another bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you want to order another one of these? Exactly. Okay, let's import yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but, but I, you know, because he was bringing some small stuff, I had become friends with Frank Cornelison. Yeah. Frank Cornelison was in New York. Whenever Zev's house had dinner, they started a conversation. Then, before you know it, Zev ends up importing Frank's wine. Then I had been to France a bunch of times, and I'd just been to the Dive. So the next year, Zev came with me. Which is we, a wine yeah, uh, show. Yeah, it's an all-natural wine show in, yeah. in Samir in the basement of Freezing Cold Cave that everybody complains <laughs> about, but everybody still goes to every year. Um, and uh, and he, he and I realized that we can travel together. We yeah. can stay up late together and still get up first thing in the morning and be ready to go. We uh, The human side of it. Yeah, we, we have different tastes in a lot of ways. But we bounce each other out. I found that on the trip, it's so good to have one guy that's like uh, all about like, "Hey, we gotta go," and the other guy's yeah. like, "Hey, we need to enjoy this." Yeah, that's exactly. a good yeah, balance yeah, yeah, to yeah. have. Totally, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sort of the uh, I'm the logistics dude. Yeah, that's sort of what I do. Yeah. Seth speaks amazing French and gets all that stuff done. I'm like, this is a four hour drive. We have to get up at this time. We have to be there. We have to see these guys. He's, do you ever you have know, to prove the point? Are you ever like, oh, I don't see you here, so I'm gonna leave? Like, and just no, like, no. Play he does him. all the driving. I do all the navigating. Oh, it's, okay, it's, okay. It's great. It's actually really fun but um but you know realizing that there was somebody out there that i could actually do that with with. reminded me of why i missed playing music so much because i loved getting in the van i loved driving to these cities i'd never been to meeting all these weirdos right like you know like and then kind of you know that being my life it brought me back to that 
Except I didn't have to do it with six Hello, other guys. Summer. Exactly. You didn't have to do it with six other we smelly guys. You. We like sleep in hotels and eat good food and like, right, right. And I'm an adult. Yeah. You know hey, look, a I mean? shower. Exactly. It's amazing. Exactly. It works. So I don't have to wait for five guys to get out of it and find out there's no hot water. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. So. So that's that's been, but that really brought that whole part of my life back. It made me really excited. I see. I didn't even make that connection. That's pretty yeah, smart. It's it's and it's really fun. I didn't either. That's another reason why I kind of like that really brought me to natural wine is I missed. Like a lot of the music I was involved in, I missed all the eccentrics. I missed these people that were because there are a few little dark, and, and a lot of the guys that yeah. I meet are eccentric or, and but they still make great wine. I'm not using that. I'm not. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, one yeah. of those guys that lets the narrative make the excuse for the wine being bad. Yeah, if I the hear. narrative's there and the wine sucks, that's cool. But I don't want it. You know, yeah. and um, but but it's that that really made me happy. It really opened all the whole thing back for me that I that I didn't realize how much I missed it. If uh, if someone were getting into the business now, mm-hmm. retail, mm-hmm. what would you say to that guy? I mean, what what are some pieces of advice you might you might uh, throw his way to kind of guide him on his way? Well, again, you know, I've only ever worked in one shop in a one neighborhood, so I I, I so stay out my, of your my, hood because you own well, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you my, my general advice would be stay the fuck out of Williamsburg. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, and there's if four, you know it's good for there's you. There's four. There's four stores that have opened in the last year. You know? Oh, is it's, that true? Four. It's called the Natural Wine Company, for God's sakes. Oh wow. You know, it's it's there. There's definitely a lot of competition out there, but it's got a little natural selection. Just a bit. Yeah. That's all right. I like the joke. <laughs> it's good. Um, but but I would tell people, you know. No matter what you're interested in, remember in the end that the people that live in your neighborhood or at the top of the, the you know the floors above you in your building, they need something to drink every night. Yeah, and it's really important to make sure that no matter what your philosophy is or what you need to do, that you sell the stuff that you need to sell to keep the lights on, because it, there's you know I mean all the stuff I've been talking about the whole time. I sell more Cristalino Cava than you can possibly imagine. Right. Like we'd be, we'd drown in it if I poured it all in this room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, but it's true. That's what people want. Right. And those people don't want to necessarily have a conversation about Lamontier Bernier or Raventos even or something right. like that. You need a little bread to their, spread the jam on. I get. Yeah, exactly. Sunglasses, hungover, 10 a.m. Saturday morning. What is cold? Do you have any prosecco? That's what they come in and ask for. You do that yeah. almost a little too well, though. It's well, a little that's scary. I, that's because <laughs> I'm a little hungover. But, <laughs> but. But, well, I like yeah. how you bridge the gap, though, bro. It's you important. Know? I, I don't see anything wrong with that. If you want to have the conversation, you have the conversation. But I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that that I'm in a personal position. Mostly, also because I don't own the damn store. Yeah, right, right. Like right. if it was my place, three hundred Loire wines. Yeah, buzz, buzz you in maybe. Yeah, right. You know what right. I mean? Like Let me bottles see open at all times. Exactly. From <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, no, no sulfur, no sulfur allowed on the premises. Right. No, I don't know. But, uh, but it's not. And you're I, you're and telling think, people with dried food to get the hell out of your shop. Like, is that sulfurred? So, you know, Garrett Oliver, from, who runs Brooklyn Brewery, yeah, is a really yeah. good friend of mine. He's a funny cat. Actually, that's who I met you with. Oh, that's right. Remember? Yeah, we were at that's dinner, on. we were at dinner convivia. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when you read my mind. That was the night oh, you read I my mind. I don't remember. I remember. I told you, you that and... I was looking for wine. This is actually this is actually one of my favorite wine stories. I told you I was looking for wine in this price range because we were all kind of we were a little broke at that point, and you're like, I got you. I know what you want. And you brought me a bottle of Cornelisa Munja Rosso. Oh yeah. Which is what I wanted. But was I ordered a bottle of Ocapinti because that was more in our price range. Yeah. You had no idea about what I was into or, or background really. And you totally brought me the bottle of wine I wanted. Huh? So yeah. there you go. See so you, you got that. All, all's well that ends well. And then you know? Garrett was like, I don't know what's wrong with this wine. But Yeah, yeah. Story. Is this supposed to do that? <laughs> exactly. But but so Garrett was telling me the story about how the guys at Cantillon and a, and some other and some other brewers that work in the Bretty style yeah. aren't allowed anywhere near a winery. 
Oh, because really? Because it's like on their clothes. Oh, oh. And it will like, it, like a lot of winemakers like won't let brewers in their winery because, because it literally oh, wow. will like, it will totally fuck up the whole place. Like stop them at the gates. Exactly. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 like no, checkpoint no, Charlie. No, no brewers allowed. Exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. Put it, put on the white zip. I've never heard that before. Suit. Yeah. That's hilarious. He was saying that it's, it's actually an issue. So, I mean, Come on. Yeah. Bedford Avenue. Bedford Avenue. Like you say, the hate Ashbury, some characters. There's a lot of young kids coming out to rediscover themselves, man. What, what are some of the stories? I mean, uh, no shoes has got to be just the beginning. But I mean, what's I don't going really on? see. I don't see no shoes as much as like I see like what do I, I just see like, you know, like caricature after caricature after oh, caricature really? yeah. sort of thing. But I mean, again, I there's part of it like on a bad day. On a bad day, you know, uh, I know what the hell am I doing here? Did I lose some contests? This is some karmic payback. <laughs> like, you know, it's this is not good. But on a good day, I'm like, hey, man, get free. Yeah, freak yeah. out, do, do your, your thing. thing. Yeah. You want to? It's awesome that you have a place where you can move here and like do this thing. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not I think a lot of people are jealous of young people because it makes them feel old. Old. Yeah. And That's I mean, certainly I, my I understand problem. that. But I can, like, yeah. I, no, I will cop to that. I know? understand that. But like, you know, I am old. Yeah. And there comes right. a time when, like, you turn on the radio and you're like, back in my day, we right. danced to the Glenn Miller Orchestra, yeah. and that was music, or right. whatever. And kids are kids. Yeah. And, they, you know, that's, that's, and it's, it's neat to get, you know, get those kids in and sell wine to them. And I think it's great. When I was that age, I wasn't really buying wine, I was buying beer. Do you think that's really kind of changed the wine market, that young people like that are buying wine? I think so, but I think, I mean, and, and I mean this in a weird way, but we're the cool wine store in the neighborhood. Right, right, so, right, like, right. it's okay to come in. You know, we, they come in and we're listening to some record that they like and, yeah. you know, that whole deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's it's a there's a comfort zone there. It's like so, high fidelity, you know? I mean, like, dude, I worked in record stores exactly like that for years and yeah. years and years. And and it is very much – the original Uva was very much like high fidelity. Well, Justin, so, I really appreciate you taking the time to come by the show. Cool. And, uh, I hope we got know, some good stuff. It's always good to see you, my man. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I know for sure is you got some good stuff at the shop, so I'm going to stop by and cool. find it for me. Thank you, man. Nice to see you. Cheers. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L-drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.